if you would love to support the podcast and keep us on the air, you can over on Kofi. You can buy us a cup of coffee, which is four pounds or roughly six bucks. You can also become part of our VIP Royal community over on Kofi too. That means you get a Zoom call with Rachel and I a month and also have a exclusive Facebook group where you can come on over and talk with us about all things Royal every single day. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get on with today's episode. Grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and, and let's keep, keep up with, with the, the Windsors. Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. Oh, Shell. <laughs> it feels like we're doing this quite a lot now. We're like, oh no, another week. <laughs> we really are keeping up with the Windsors. Yeah. Well, we had a lovely episode plan. We was going to talk about whether Beatrice should become a working royal because yeah. we had her at the Jordan Royal family wedding. And then we had Harry's court case here in the UK. So obviously that has got to be the main news this week. It has. So we will be chatting very briefly about the Jordan Royal family wedding, which we were actually super excited to go into major (laughs) detail with but you know Prince Harry is in London and it's an important topic to talk about today so stay tuned um how are you doing Rach it seems like me and you are quite busy at the moment we're very busy I think we're like the royals we're getting it all in now before the summer (laughs) (laughs) before the summer I know so why don't we just go really quickly into the royal roundup and give you royal community the biggest chunk of royal news this week Let's start with Princess Eugenie. Yay! We have a new royal baby. We do. So you messaged on Instagram, Eugenie's gone into labour and then we didn't hear anything for a while. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden we have the picture on Instagram, which has been so lovely, hasn't it? And very different because if Queen Elizabeth was still around, it probably wouldn't have been announced through the palace. But this was actually announced on Eugenie's Instagram. On her Instagram post, she said that her and Jack welcomed their second son, Ernest George Ronnie Brooksbank on the 30th of May. He is named after his great, great, great grandfather, who is George V. One of his middle names was Ernest and her grandpa, Ronald. I just love how personable her captions are as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I love it. She, they call August Augie and probably Ernest will be referred to as Ernie. So you've got Augie and Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ernest is the 13th in line of succession. I did think Ernest, August, they both end in ST. Do you know sometimes when mums and dads have like a theme of names that they like? I was yeah. like, oh, I can totally see this theme. But I actually wonder why Ernest wasn't August's name. Do you know what I mean? Because it's got that real connection to the heritage mm. of their family. So they must have really loved August and then looked a bit more deeper into the name Ernest. What do you think of Ernest, Rach, the name? I think traditional names are coming through more these days, aren't they? They're becoming more popular. But that is a family name because not only is he named after George V, but we also have Ernest was the brother of Prince Albert. It's a bit like um, Who Do You Think You Are? Do you know that programme on TV? <laughs> it just goes down the lineage for sure. What 
what was lovely about this as well is it actually made headline news. So we have our news bulletin here at 6pm and then another one at 10pm. And it was on the national news that Princess Eugenie had given birth. And what was number one news bulletin for that day? Prince Harry. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We need to do a little nod to Princess Lilibet because she turned two this week as well. And everyone was like, oh, we think Ernest is going to be born on Lilibet's birthday. But actually, I think it's a day or two after, isn't it? Yeah. So we know Eugenie and Harry are quite close, aren't they? So maybe they'll see each other in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Let's move on, Rach. We saw the Princess of Wales this week. She was in Windsor. She went to the Windsor Family Hub to learn about vital services they provide to families in Windsor, Maidenhead and surrounding areas. The hub is run by a non-profit called Achieving for Children. And I just love the fact that they do loads of different courses for parents to come and help with the start of their baby's life. So Catherine walked in and they were having a baby massage session (laughs) and it was just so cute and you could just tell and I'm sure you know this but Catherine's in an element when she's around children oh absolutely absolute element she also went into a stress management class that was given to parents and what was lovely was she was talking to the group and she asked them have you made friends have you all come together do you know each other well and you can tell from these family hubs grows long-term friendships within the community they're doing vital work there it was great to see her and right she actually went to the Belden family's house and had a picture with them I mean could you imagine could you imagine (laughs) and the mum was wearing slippers I love it. Pink fluffy slippers like she is representing. I love this. Exactly. I bet she scrubbed every inch of her house before Catherine came round. Uh, well, it did look spotless though, her house, didn't it? <laughs> and the kids looked so happy, like, oh, we got a princess in our house. I'll tell you what, that picture, that's a framer. They have to get that framed, right? Oh, I mean, come on. It had to have been done by CJ. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was by CJ, you know. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> we, did see, we did see the Duke of Edinburgh out. We've seen the Duke of Kent make the socials, but we're not going to be touching on any of those today. We're heading straight into the Jordan Royal Family's wedding, Rach. Oh, my God, what an event. Oh, my goodness. This was like our Super Bowl, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't it. And as a royal watcher within the royal community, it was so amazing to feel the energy on social everyone was so excited and not just that but all of the royal families the european royal families the worldwide royal families all came together for this one event and all of the fandoms from different royal families were coming together and it was like one big party it was amazing yeah, it was amazing and so this was the wedding of crown prince hussein of georgian to rajwa al Saif. now very sorry if i pronounced that incorrectly what was surprising about this is we was not expecting William and Catherine. Normally at royal weddings, we have Sophie or Edward or Anne representing the British royal family. Yeah. I think there's that connection because we've seen over the years William and Hussein on a few engagements together, haven't we? So they obviously have some sort of relationship there. And Catherine has that connection to Jordan because she spent some of her childhood growing up there. Yeah. And guess what? Catherine's mum and dad. And was Pippa there as well? Pippa was there. Yeah. Pippa and her husband. Yeah. And everyone was just like freaking out on socials. But again, they lived in Jordan. And I'm sure through the friendship that Prince William has with the Jordan royal family, that really has solidified that connection. And remember, they weren't just in the reception in the evening. They got invited to the actual main event. And what a main event it was. Wow. 
But not just William and Catherine, the shocker, Beatrice. <laughs> Beatrice and Edo. Which you flipped out when you found this out, didn't you? Well, I was watching the arrivals and there was a news channel over on YouTube that I was watching the live feed. So I saw William and Catherine and obviously everyone was amazed at what Catherine was wearing and that she was wearing a Lebanese designer. I was just like, wow, what a look this was. Oh my gosh. Honestly... Catherine, she just, there's not a bad outfit. I swear there's not a bad time of her looking anything less than what she does. Yeah, but Rach, there was an account on Twitter that was showing what the Princess of Wales was wearing and then that on the catwalk. And no disrespect to any supermodels, but she wore that (laughs) dress better than the supermodel. That is Catherine's elixir, isn't it? She has Mm -hmm. that supermodel frame that anything that she wears looks absolutely incredible on her. Regardless of whether it's our style or not, I think like that high neck, it was just picture perfect. And not just that, but the one thing that got me straight away was her hair. Oh my gosh, those Hollywood waves. Yeah, but have you ever seen those? And I'm not comparing, I am not comparing Catherine to a dog or a horse. But have you seen (laughs) those pictures of horses that are like golden? Or those Afghans that have got like really amazing hair? Yeah. It was like showstopper. And this, I think, is probably one of the best hair looks I've seen on Catherine. She looked absolutely incredible she's wearing quite a few pinks at the moment isn't she but i think this for me was such a knockout look and again we have to say you can't get knockout without having someone by your side in a great tailored suit Mm -hmm. and william looked amazing yeah he did he did but then beatrice rocks up and everyone was like hang on a minute why is beatrice there yeah because she is not representing the royal family but she is actually a very good friend of hussein's and you know us royal community we do not post personal pictures or paparazzi pictures of any of the royals on our socials but you can find them Beatrice and Hussein have actually been on holidays together like with groups of their friends so they do know each other yeah I want to give a shout out to my girl Beatrice you know I love her But she was representing as well in Neeson and Fred, which is a high-end, high-street brand, isn't it? It is, but I am going to say, and I'm going to say it, and Rachel's going to shake her head. I wasn't a fan of what Beatrice was wearing. Oh, no, I loved it. I loved it. Not for me. Not for me. Not that black with that blue, not the bow in the head. No, not for me. Oh, see, I'm completely opposite. I was living for the bow. I loved it. I thought the black really broke it up. I absolutely loved it. But as we always say, Shell, our styles are very different. They are very different. But I think we both agree Catherine looked amazing. What I really enjoyed about this wedding was it was very short It was quite quick. You had the Jordan royal family there. You had all the other royal families. Jill Biden there. You had Ivana Trump there. So you had representatives from different countries. And then what I thought was nice is they had a reception after. And this was more for their family and their friends. And then in the evening, when we saw the tiara moments, which we'll go on to in a second, that again was for the royal families to come back and let the world see the glorious tiaras that... Bring on the diamonds. Bring on the diamonds, bring on the jewels. And honestly, 
this was absolute perfection. I don't think I've seen so many tiaras in one place in quite a while. Do you know what, though? Before we head into tiara talk, I wanted just to give a really massive shout out to the now crown princess, Rawaj Al-Saif. I'm so sorry if I'm saying (laughs) her name wrong. I thought... Her wedding dress was exquisite. And I actually thought it was a really good choice for her to be in flats. Rach, you even said that when they were in the cavalcade, the cavalcade was going pretty fast, wasn't it? So fast. So for her to be in heels in that cavalcade probably wouldn't have been a good idea. But I thought she looked absolutely spectacular. Those earrings were very unique. And also it was a brand new tiara. Yeah, it was made for her as were the earrings. Yeah. Yeah. So I just needed to give a shout out to Crown Princess because she looked amazing. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was after the ceremony and they were greeting all the guests and a lot of people were saying, how comes they're not bowing to these kings and queens, which normally, you know, if, if Catherine is, sees a king or a queen, she will curtsy, William will bow. Yeah. And I was actually speaking to one of my friends who is Muslim. She said that it is against their religious beliefs to bow to anyone except Allah. Because a lot of people were wondering why that wasn't happening. And I think the thing with bowing and curtsying, it's not a requirement. No. Like if we saw them on the street show, we wouldn't curtsy. Or obviously we'd freak well, out. <laughs> we didn't curtsy the king when we saw him. No, it just never even entered my head. But I think more in an in official capacity, absolutely. Yeah. But not in the capacity we met him. No, no it was very informal. No. It's not like that these days, is it? It's no. more relaxed and... A lot of people were saying William didn't bow and he did bow. If you go back and you he look did. on our Instagram, we've got a reel of when they came in and they met the king and queen of Jordan. He did bow his head and Catherine curtsied. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that little point in. Also, Rach, didn't William hurry the Princess of Wales along a little bit? Yeah. While she was- oh, what you mean? Chop, chop. <laughs> chop, chop. It was like, you know, you've had your time, let's move on. Well, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you said, like you only have a few seconds really to have that conversation. It's like afterwards we can have a more in-depth conversation. There is a line of people waiting. So chop, chop, (laughs) chop, chop, let's go, let's go. (laughs) Okay, let's get on to tiaras then. Oh my goodness, Shell. Shell, I am so bored of the lovers not tiara at this point. I'm so bored. They have so many tiaras in their collection. I was saying to one of our friends, Greg, if that's the case, if this is all we're going to see is her wearing the Lotus tiara and the Lover's Not tiara, put the other tiaras in a museum when they're not yeah. wearing them so other people can enjoy them. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Put it on display, get some money for the Royal Collection yeah. Trust. I'm 100% with you, Rach. I was so disappointed. And also, I remember, gosh, maybe six months ago when Catherine was in the red number and then I said that she looked like a beauty queen. She had that beauty queen pageant look again. And I was like, oh no, I just can't deal. (laughs) I can't deal. And another Jenny Packer. I'm like, okay, she looked amazing. But it was like, we've seen this so many times. And that Jenny Packer dress, she's worn before, but in a different colours. And I love the green one. But this was like, is it champagne? Is it? like a dusky pink I'm just fed up now just move on and then Beatrice comes in then Beatrice comes in and I swear the York tiara was not on my bingo card list it just was (laughs) not there I had put on our Instagram you know maybe Uncle Charles has opened the vault for Beatrice which one is she gonna wear and then she rocks up wearing the York tiara which we haven't seen in over two decades last worn by Sarah Duchess of York in 2001 yeah absolutely 
It was a massive surprise, wasn't it? And it was really funny, Royal Community. Rachel went out for dinner and I'd seen the the pictures and I didn't tell her about the tiara because I wanted her to have her like, ah, because I just text Rachel over WhatsApp. I was like, the lover's not like, oh, like we've seen it again. But I didn't say anything about Beatrice. And then you just flipped out. You loved it. I freaked out. I voice messaged Michelle and I was like, I don't even care what Catherine's wearing at this point. I'm just loving Beatrice at this moment. And so many people were saying that's the best that Beatrice has looked. I think this was the moment when people were like, when is this woman going to become a working royal? Yeah. I mean, when are they all going to become working royals, Rach? That's what I have to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's Princess Beatrice and this look really embodied that. She looked like a princess. I also think it's probably because we haven't seen her in that capacity since probably a wedding with the fringe tiara and how beautiful she looked on her wedding day. But unfortunately, that was during COVID and we've never really had that moment with her where she stepped into her title and actually represented in that way. You know, there was a bit of a a near fashion faux pas because (laughs) there was a wedding guest in the daytime that was wearing the same dress that Beatrice was wearing in the reception. So that would have been just like, like, oh my goodness me. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed that we didn't get a photo of Beatrice Edo with William and Catherine or Catherine and Beatrice together. Yeah. You know, we only had two official photos of Beatrice. None of them were inside the event, but there were quite a few of Catherine. And what was really interesting is on the Jordan Royal Family socials after the day, they had posted a reel. And really the only non-Jordan Royal Family members that made their socials were William and Catherine. You know, they're the ones everyone wants to see they're worldwide aren't they everyone knows yeah. the british everyone royal family knows. yeah yeah i just want to say that i wasn't a fan of beatrice's dress i didn't like the whole how do i want to put it the boob hammock look on the front <laughs> not a massive fan of that thanks it was reem Accra. not a fan passing Wait, on that one do you know what shell and i hate to say this because she was the bride but that second wedding dress oh it was bad. It was awful. And I hate to say that yeah. because it was her wedding day. But who told that lady that that was a good look? I'm sorry, but well, you've gone from this really elegant statuesque look on your ceremony yeah. to this. No. I, I thought the same thing. Her first look was so spot on it allowed her natural beauty to shine i feel the second look became a fashion statement rather than a lovely dress do you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly but i think it was just like we said like we love a tiara moment we're always gonna love a diamond moment it was just great to see so many of the royals representing in their tiaras yeah we've spoken about her many times on the podcast now crown princess mary of denmark she just never disappoints does she well, I loved her evening look. I wasn't a fan of her day look, but I loved her evening look. It was great to see everyone together. And anyone with a hot pink dress, I was there for. <laughs> anyone with a hot pink dress, I was there You're for. going for your Barbie call moment, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bring it on. I tell you who, Rach, I've always said it. Maybe it's because she really fit in with my style. Bizarra is hitting some looks. She really is hitting some looks. I'm loving everything that she's been wearing recently. But anyway, that's a bit of a detour to the wedding. <laughs> that wasn't anything royal wedding related. <laughs> she just wanted to speak about Zara. I was like, where is she going with this? Zara wasn't there. <laughs> I've got a real hobnob girl in there somewhere. I got to. Zara for the win. Gosh. Zara for talking the win. Of, talking of the Royal Hobnob before we move on, Shell, she's been in Canada again. She's been in Canada a lot lately. 
Oh, uh, yeah, but somebody needs to. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it is a Commonwealth country. Get over there. They're our head of state. Charles, what are you doing? Go on a tour somewhere. Talking of the king, he's been in Romania, hasn't he, for a few days. He does he this has. trip every single year. And what I've loved about seeing this is the people's reaction to him. Because he goes every year, he obviously knows people now. And the crowds are coming out and giving him flowers. He was even kissing people on the cheeks. You don't get that over here. Where does our kiss? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know what I love? The fact that Queen Camilla has had a rest this week. Yes, she has had a rest, yeah. Well, she's got to because we've heard that at the Royal Reading Room, the festival, she's going to be acting. She's going to be in the Jane Austen <laughs> section. <laughs> I love it. Ostentatious. Oh <laughs> yes. Bring it on. Amazing. We honestly could talk for the next hour about the Jordan Royal family wedding. And I couldn't speak highly enough of it. I thought it was absolutely incredible. It was so wonderful to see everyone together celebrating love. It was a lovely turnout. And also, what a spectacular location. Their yeah. wedding location was just so Instagrammable and still royal. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I loved how they shot everyone walking to their seats. It was yeah. really cinematic, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I felt, you know, when you go to the Oscars and they have like that slow cam thing? <laughs> I thought they were going to do one of those slow cams. <laughs> I'd be there for it with the Afghan hound here or whatever, <laughs> Catherine, moving back and forth. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. But now, all community, we have to talk about Harry's court case because, as we said, this is the biggest royal news since Spare came out, really, which was only a few months ago. Exactly. So, why don't we head into the royal news for this week? So, you might be wondering why is this a big deal? Harry is the first royal in 132 years to give evidence in court. In 1891, King Edward VII, then Prince of Wales, gave evidence in what was known as the Royal Baccarat Scandal, where he had played an illegal card game where one of the players sued his peers unsuccessfully for slander after he was accused of cheating. This is such a big deal because we never see royals on the stage like this. As we say, it's it's unheard of. It's unheard of, unprecedented that this hasn't happened in our lifetime anyway. So in a civil case heard at the High Court in London, Prince Harry accuses Mirror Group newspapers, which we will be calling MGN throughout the rest of this podcast, of using unlawful methods to get stories, including phone hacking. If Harry and the other claimants win, this means that the judge will use it to set the amount of money MGN could pay in other cases from other celebrities. Now, MGN have previously admitted to phone hacking and have paid certain cases. And that's where we're at. This case relates to 33 articles published between 1996 and 2010. Asked why those articles in particular, Harry said they showed the most obvious elements of intrusive, unlawful activity. So this court case started on Monday and Harry was actually criticised by one of the UK's top judges saying he was a little surprised at Harry's absence after missing the first day of the historic case. Which is quite surprising, isn't it? Because we heard that he'd flown in after Princess Lilibet's birthday and then he didn't show up at court the next day. When Harry was in court on the Tuesday, David Sherborne, Harry's lawyer, told the court he would be first addressed as His Royal Highness and then he preferred to be referred to as Prince Harry. This is something I want to have a chat with you about right now. Why 
We call him Prince Harry. Doesn't he go by the Duke of Sussex? Duke of Sussex, yeah. I'm so and, confused. And he doesn't hold a HRH title anymore. <laughs> no, but the thing is, right, he actually does. He just doesn't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's not allowed to use HRH in front of his Prince Harry title. Yeah, he's not allowed to use it to monetize it. Yeah. But on his birth certificate, he still is HRH. You know, if he's writing his name, he could write his Royal Highness. Yeah. But do you see what I mean? In a courtroom, I'm sure he has to use his official name. But wouldn't it be the Duke of Sussex? This is what I'm really confused about. Why yeah, is it Prince what's Harry? Higher, it, what's higher, a duke or a prince? It's a prince, right? It's a prince, but his title that he's known as is the Duke of Sussex. There was a witness statement that Harry's put forward, which is over 50 pages long. And this is referred to in the questioning throughout. At the start, Harry said that his voicemails would include incredibly private and sensitive information about my relationships. And he said the tabloid's attention meant he became paranoid and couldn't trust anyone. An awful feeling at such a young age. So let's talk about some of the key points that were made on Tuesday. So he claims that he was first hacked in 1996. The court heard that he didn't have a mobile phone until 1998. MGM's lawyer, Andrew Green, argues Harry's phone could not have been hacked when one of the articles was published because he didn't have a mobile phone at the time. There was also an article surrounding his 18th birthday providing personal information about him. The court heard about an interview Harry gave for his 18th birthday. Now, this information was published by another news source, which MGM used the same information for, which Harry then admitted, yes, I see the similarities in the story. So again, the lawyer is going back and forth saying, you're saying this is MGM, but actually there was a story that came out a week before. Harry then says that stories had an effect on his mother, Princess Diana, and her reaction to me as a son. He blamed the tabloids for inciting hatred and casting him as a thicko and a playboy. He told the court reports of a pub lunch with friends, which caused him distress because he was hoping to have a private birthday lunch and somehow a photographer found me. And he revealed that he was extremely worried at the prospect of being expelled from Eton following reports in the tabloid press that he was using drugs. Harry, throughout this, tried to ask questions to the lawyer of MGN and Andrew Green says, I'm here to cross-examine you. I'm afraid that's the way this works, Prince Harry. This is after he queried whether he'd written his own witness statement. So let's talk about a few of the things that came out from this witness statement. Harry's talking about his relationships and he said, I can remember that at least one of my girlfriends told me she was warned off me by her parents saying, is it really worth all the aggravations? Our relationship ended shortly after. I remember finding it very hard to trust anyone, which led to bouts of depression and paranoia. Of course, now that we know that this information was invariably obtained by unlawful means, these friendships were lost entirely unnecessarily, which is a matter of huge regret for me. I can understand this. As a teenager growing up, if you're reading stories about you constantly in the press, you don't trust anyone. You're thinking, well, who's leaking all this information, right? But the thing is, if then your friend groups are reading tabloids, even though you've asked them not to, or they hear it from their family or their friends, then they're going to have a preconceived notion about who you are 
because the papers are right, aren't they? People don't realize <laughs> that they could possibly be making things up or but possibly be finding this information out through unlawful means. As we know, these are all alleged at the moment. This The ruling hasn't happened yet, so we can't really say yes or no. Some of the other stories that he touched upon was rumours that James Hewitt was his father. He said numerous newspaper reports had reported a rumour that my biological father was James Hewitt, a man my mother had a relationship with after I was born. And this is really interesting because Charles and Camilla... They're always vilified, aren't they? Because they had an affair and Diana's seen as the victim. But Diana had affairs as well. It wasn't just one-sided. He said, at the time of this article and others similar to it, I wasn't actually aware that my mother hadn't met Major Hewitt until after I was born. I've always heard people refer to my mother as paranoid, but she wasn't. She was fearful of what was actually happening to her. And now I know that I was the same. Yeah, and do you know what's very interesting? It's like that film Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio, the Christopher Nolan film. If an idea gets embedded, it's very hard to take that out of somebody's mind. I yeah. was working, gosh, in an office about a month ago and I'd said, you know, I've got a role podcast. And they said, oh, you know, Harry, oh yeah, he's James Hewitt's son, isn't he? And, I, and then I said, Diana didn't meet James until two years after he was born. And you could tell they were like, Oh, like, <laughs> I believe that. And it's just, it annoys me that that inception is there. And yeah. that's what Harry's getting at. You know, you can plant something that I'm a thick or I'm a playboy. But actually, those things do stay with you throughout your life. It's hard to shake those things off. Mm -hmm. And they're not even things that he's created. They're things that have possibly been orchestrated to make money in a newspaper. Yeah. And I think it's always the red hair because James Stewart had red hair and Harry has. And it's like nobody in the royal family has red hair. Have you seen Diana's side of the family? Yeah. Have you seen a young Prince Philip? He looks very similar to Harry. Right? I know. I know. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. He also revealed classmates at Eton called him a, now excuse me if you've got young children, maybe close their ears for this, a pussy. And a sick note after articles were published about him obtaining injuries while playing rugby at school. This particular article he mentions was Rugger Off Harry, published in 2001. And he said, I suffered injuries just like everyone else that was playing a lot of sport at school, but it was only my injuries that were being splashed across national newspapers. Nobody else in my class was enjoying this treatment. I wasn't reading these stories, but others at school were, and I was treated differently as a result. This happened at school and later when I was at Sandhurst. I was often singled out for being a sick note or a pussy because articles like this made routine injuries seem like such a big deal. It's hard on one way to have Harry sit there and say about all these things, th this unlawful information. I've heard quite a few people say, oh, but you know what, Harry the shoes on the other foot because you've written a book about your family and you've given out details that your family didn't give you permission to write. But also that is Harry's first-hand account. All right, fair enough. I don't agree with some of the things he said in that book and the way in which he wrote those things, but it's his account. He gave permission for that information to be in the book about himself. I'm finding this hard because mm -hmm. if this is true, then they deserve to have everything that the judge awards them because can you imagine you and I having a conversation I don't know maybe I give you something that's really sensitive the next day it's on the papers and then I come to you and I say Rach hang on a minute you're the only person I told about that yeah yeah said, exactly. I didn't tell anyone yeah and I said well I can't be friends with you because you're lying to me 
Yeah, because exactly. if you're the only person I've told and then it's in a newspaper, you wouldn't even think that your phone is being hacked. Because remember, in that time, what, 1996, those things you just didn't even know until it came out. Mm. But it's like voicemails. He said, didn't he, that he thought his phone was playing up because Joe, sometimes you get that little red dot when you've got a voicemail. Yeah. He went to listen to it, but then it gone. Like some of it's already read. Yeah. Come on, that plays with your brain, doesn't it? That is paranoia in a sense, because you're thinking, did I read it? And then Harry, I think, mentioned that he just tried to rationalise it. Like maybe I read it when I was drunk or I was tired or something. Do you see what I mean? That isn't right for your mental health. You didn't do those things. That's being gaslit in your own life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Another point I want to bring up was... Paul Burrell. <laughs> oh, goodness. Come on. So William and Harry had very strong feelings about how indiscreet his mother's former butler, Paul Burrell, could be, according to his witness statement. He says in relation to the way he had sold our mother's possessions and how he had given numerous interviews about her. He said, we firmly believe that she would have expected some privacy and death, especially from someone she had trusted. And we were so upset at the way he was behaving. I didn't want to hear his reasons for it. In an article published by the People in December 2003, Harry is reported as referring to Burrell as a two-faced shit. And he says, I also would have used the phrase two-faced shit as it is reported and believe this could be lifted directly from a voicemail I had left. So this is a voicemail between him and William. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Shell, because you mentioned Spare earlier. MGM's lawyer refers to an excerpt of his memoir, Spare, in which he describes how he would have wanted a meeting with Paul Burrell. And MGM's lawyer says, there's no suggestion here that you were firmly against the meeting. Harry says, no, because I wrote that when I was 38 years old. In this story, I was 18. And the lawyer says, that's not the point, and asks whether his witness statement or his recollection in Spare is the correct one to which harry says that he can't remember what he would have wanted at the time obviously spare was have to be brought up like you said it's harry's own word that's harry's story yeah. the lawyer saying that's contradicting what you're saying you're saying one thing in this story in this memoir and you're saying another thing in your witness statement so which one is the correct version and remember a court of law are only interested in facts they're not interested in feelings they're not interested about he said she said they're not interested about how much money you got for what book or one netflix deal they're talking about hardcore facts which is it so i think this really did get harry on the ropes a little bit harry was also asked about palace cooperation on a news of the world story mgn's lawyer andrew green talks about an article headline child shocked by how often harry uses cannabis now, the article says Charles was very calm. He didn't confront Harry aggressively, but asked him to tell the truth, although Charles didn't scream and shout at Harry. And then MGM's lawyer says there is a reference to a senior royal aide Charles and asked whether the palace cooperated with the News of the World story. Harry says he has talked extensively about how the story came about, including what he was aware of at the time and what he would later become aware of. Asked again whether the palace collaborated with the newspaper, Harry says there was one individual. Is it the bee, the wasp, or the fly? I know. It's one thing that we have to accept as a royal community. The fact that the institution, from what we hear from Harry, have colluded with 
the royal rota in order to be favourable. Otherwise, the monarchy doesn't get in the papers and doesn't stay in the zeitgeist of the culture. So it's understandable for the success of the institution for it to be favourable or seen favourably by the tabloids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what I found really interesting as well is there was an article published about his phone being stolen in Lesotho. Harry said, I knew it was likely the British press, including the defendant, MGM, would know where I was, as they always did. He says he wasn't worried about messages or voicemails being made public, as the institution could wipe his phone remotely. What? Wow. That's some MI5 stuff, isn't it? Some MI5. This reminds me of that scene in The Crown when Princess Margaret's trying to get the Queen on the phone and she has to go through about 10 people. 10 people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's someone listening at the palace going, hang on a minute, we need to delete everything that's on the server, get rid Mm. of it. Wow. Could you imagine that though? Can you imagine that your life is so finely scrutinized and I, I don't mean this now as in tabloids I mean this is in Harry in his own life that your phone isn't your own like yeah. he doesn't own anything everything comes from the institution because he said he's never been the named account holder and has almost never received a phone bill as far as I'm aware this was all dealt with by the institution presumably for security purposes although n- that now seems rather ironic ironic yeah <laughs> wow we can only imagine what it's like But Mm -hmm. that is just so intense, isn't it? It's so intense. So to finish off day one, Andrew Green for MGM asked Harry whether he is just reading out something that has been drafted by your solicitors for you, which refers to his witness statement. Because what was interesting about this witness statement is you have to detail who you're referring to. So of course, it has my mother, Diana, Princess of Wales, my brother, the Prince of Wales. But then it said, his royal highness, the king. And it was like, hang on a minute, Harry's been a royal all his life. Surely he would know that the king is not referred to as his royal highness. He's referred to as his majesty, the king. Yeah. So who was proofreading this beforehand? And I think that's what the lawyer was getting at. He's telling the story to a legal team because then the legal team are writing it down and using legal jargon and making it sound appropriate yeah. and better. It's like having a ghostwriter, right, yeah. Rich? Well, exactly. <laughs> it's fair, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was day one. Then because questioning ran over, we then go on to Wednesday, day two. So the main points was how he's being questioned about his relationship with Chelsea Davy. And what I found really interesting about this is he said, this is a past girlfriend who now has her own family and this process is as distressing for her as it is for me. So obviously the, all of this information about their relationship is being read out yet again. It's being played out by the tabloids years later. Yeah. And like you said, she's got her own, I'm not sure if she's married to the person that she has a family with, but she's got her children Yeah, and this is all being brought up. And remember, she's been through the mill with being a former girlfriend of Prince Harry already. She seems like a lovely person from everything I've read and seen about her. And I just wish her the best. I really hope that this is like the last bit now. And then hopefully it's done for her sake and for Prince Harry's sake as well. This is really stressful. Harry told the court how he had first decided to launch a claim against MGM after bumping into his barrister, David Sherburne, on holiday in France. (laughs) You know, you know, you're just having this conversation. (laughs) Do you know that you can sue MGM for damages? Oh, he's like one of those people. Did you have an injury at work? (laughs) 
Do you have a bitch on telly? Do you have a claim? <laughs> he said, I think it was a discussion about how to find a way to stop the abuse and intrusion that was coming against me and my wife without relying on the institution's lawyers. And Mr. Green for MGM asked him whether Harry had been aware he had a claim against MGM before that conversation. And he said, not at all. He told the court he filed his claims against MGM and Newsgroup at around the same time. Is this the point in which, can you remember in the Netflix documentary, remember when they said, oh, the legal team are dealing with it? And they said, no, they're handling. They said, no, actually, we're going to go and do this ourselves. Yeah. We've already found someone. Is this kind of this point in time? I presume so, because Megan's not mentioned. It was only that section, because obviously what's going on now is not in relevance to, to what that the case time. is about. Yeah. yeah. It's hard, isn't it, to fit in timeline-wise with all these little yeah. pieces of the puzzle. So then Harry's lawyer, David Sherbon, asked him questions in the re-examination. And some of the key points were, again, about how journalists went to extreme lengths to cover up Hakim. He claims that there was little call data available to the court as the MGM journalists were using burner phones at the time, which you remember back in the day, Shell, we didn't have phones like we do now. It was all, you know, 9.99 phone. Yeah, Nokia with a SIM card in it playing Snake. I was just about to say playing Snake. Harry wasn't really cross-examined that much by his own lawyer, but he was asked if he believes he was speculating when he said unlawful information gathering took place for a story about him being banned from service in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I do not. He then returned to the judge and says, my Lord, my whole life, the press has misled me, covered up their own wrongdoing. And to be sitting here in court, knowing the defence has the evidence in front of them and MGM lawyer Andrew Green saying I'm speculating I'm not entirely sure what to say about that which is really interesting because this is brought up several times is that you're not really meant to talk directly to the judge yeah you're not I guess when you're pleading your case you're going to try and do it in loads of different ways I think I probably would have done the the same thing if I was Prince Harry like I'm telling the truth I promise I got all this data yeah like this is my one time to get my facts across right yeah before Harry left the witness box his lawyer said to him you've been sat here in the witness box for over a day and a half you've had to go through these articles and answer questions in a very public courtroom knowing the media is watching how has that made you feel And he says, it's a lot. And then apparently the press reports that his voice appeared to break slightly as he was saying that. Well, (laughs) Rich, have you ever done jury service? I've never. I remember you telling me about your time doing this. Oh my goodness me. Being caught for that amount of time in that witness box is a lot. I think even my voice would shake after that. Are we going to be hearing any more from Harry this week, Rach? No, that's it from Harry. He's given all of his evidence. He said what he has to say. Mm-hmm. I think what's been interesting is phone hacking. It's definitely been going on, right? Mm-hmm. Because MGN have paid in the past. Yeah. But it's whether the judge rules that it was particular to these stories. And if Harry and his lawyers have brought enough evidence to support these claims. And also, Rach... My question to you is, do you think he should have settled out of court? Do you think this was the right move for him to actually be in the witness box and to give a testimony? I think it's quite brave for him to do what he's done. I think it's taken him a lot of guts to do this. And I feel like he feels that he needs to hold, like you said, these people accountable for what they've done. 
Do I think he would have settled out of court for an easier life? Probably yes, but I don't think that's what he wanted. I think he wanted these people to be made accountable. I also think, though, it was like a stick a finger up to the institution as well. Like, you didn't look after me. Mm. I'm looking after myself. And I agree with you. I think it was so brave of him to do this. And also the other claimants, really brave. And it's the right thing to do. I personally would have done what Prince Harry did. I would just be like, I'm taking this all the way. I've got yeah. the money. I'm going to get my day in court. It might not bring justice. It's, it's only monetary, isn't it? But what it's yeah. actually doing is educating people that the tabloids aren't the be all and end all of factual news. What's the end game for Harry? He's got several cases at the moment going on. What is the end game to get money from all of these to bring all these people to account? I don't think it's about the money though, Rach. I think it's about right from wrong and standing up for what you believe in. But at what cost, Shell? At what cost? Let's put it this way. You're going up against massive conglomerates. So for him to do that is so courageous. But again, if you've got a book to sell or if you've got something to push that you need money for, they could possibly go against you. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened with Spare. He's written Spare and this has been used as a piece of evidence in what he's saying in court. Hence the reason why, and throughout the whole of Spare, the king is written to have said, don't listen to him, my boy. Don't give them ammunition. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. And you can see why now King Charles, who has been vilified in the press throughout this whole of his life, has that opinion. I, I think we'll know next week. I'm not too sure of what the outcome will be, but obviously we'll keep you updated if and when we find out more. What's also interesting, Shell, is he has mentioned Paul Burrell. Yeah. He's also mentioned Piers Morgan in an unflattering light. They both could bring a case against Harry for defamation. Piers Morgan was actually seen on a street. I don't know where he was in the world. And he said, I look forward to reading it in his next book. Wow. That tells you everything. A few weeks ago, we actually saw Beatrice and Eugenie with Piers Morgan and his wife at a restaurant in London. Really? Yeah, they're friends. I haven't heard this. They're friends, show With Piers Morgan? Piers Morgan, they're friends. No way. Yes. Are you kidding me? Royal community, go and look up Beatrice and Piers Morgan. Shall I do it right now? <laughs> look it up. Oh, and I never knew this because there's a bit of history, isn't there, with Piers Morgan, with Harry and Meghan and with Diana as well. And this exactly. is being brought up in this court case. Because Piers Morgan was editor of News of the World and Daily Mirror, the newspapers that Harry's bringing this legal case against. It's just blowing my mind, isn't yeah, it? I can't I just, believe you didn't know that. I did not know. Well, I, I, I would never assume it. Hang on, hang on, more community. I'm, I'm, show, I'm showing Michelle a photo right now. Oh my goodness me, they're like pissing and laughing. I don't <laughs> yeah. get this. And also, yeah, we've heard that Megan had sent an, a letter, allegedly, to the um, CEO of ITV, I think it was, to get him fired. And then we got fired from Good Morning Britain, wasn't Good it? Good Morning Britain for speaking out against Megan, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is blowing my <laughs> tiny mind, Rachel. <laughs> Hang on a minute. You think you know everything and then you find another little bit of a... <laughs> What is going on? Oh, God. Royal community, let us know your thoughts on this court case. Have you been following it? Is this news to you? Do you think Harry should be rewarded the monetary value? Do you think he should win his trial? Let us know over on Keeping Up The Windsor's pod over on Instagram or email us at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. We would love it if you would share our podcast 
with anyone else you know who loves the Royals just as much as we do. And also head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Podbean where you can favourite, like or leave us a comment about the podcast. And also on Spotify, we have polls and questions that we ask every week. So come on over and get involved there too. You can also follow us on YouTube, Keeping Up the Windsors, where we have lots of vlogs, especially from the Coronation and the Platinum Jubilee. Amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. Do you know what, Rachel? It was a year since the Platinum Jubilee. It feels like yesterday. That's I can't believe that's been a year already. <laughs> oh, As we always say, Royal Community, when something big like this happens, hold on to your hats. We'll keep you updated. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week on Keeping, Keeping Up, Up with the, the Windsors. Windsors.